If you're hearing this, you have stumbled across Murder Bucket, the true crime podcast with me, Hannah Palmer. Good evening, Murder Bucket family, and welcome back to Tuesday. Tonight, we have a mini episode, so let's get right on into it. Tonight, we're talking about Teary Tilly, the aristocrat con man. Sometime in the late 1990s, Gislaine de Vendrens introduced Teary Tilly to her family. She was a director of a Paris secretarial college, and Tilly was her deputy. When introduced, he told the family that he was a descendant of the Habsburgs and the son of an Olympic ice skater. He also told them that he had many important friends who live a step ahead of the rest of the world. At some point, Tilly began to tell Gislin's brothers that he could get spectacular returns on investments. Of course, both brothers jumped at the opportunity to make easy money. Gislin's husband, Jean, on the other hand, was skeptical but kept his doubts to himself. Tilly then began to tell the family that they were the targets of a plot by Freemasons and that he was the only person who could protect them. Everyone in the family believed him because when they asked about what line of work he had been in, he would answer espionage. He soon convinced them that he was a secret agent, and many times the family noticed that whenever he received a phone call, he would go in private to take it. Jean then began to worry about his wife when she stated that she was seeing Freemasons everywhere and that all of their neighbors were now enemies. Things seemed to calm down around their daughter's wedding and a little while after. It wasn't until Gislin returned from school in Paris when things got very strange. Jean recalls that one day in September, she stormed into the living room wearing a cocktail dress and carrying a handful of dried flowers. She threw the flowers at him and called herself a weak outsider with no soul and that the flowers were a sign of her husband's evil network. She then denounced him and forced her brothers to help him pack and put him on a train to Paris. He soon discovered that their shared bank account had been emptied. Several weeks later, Jean returned to their summer house that they shared, trying to search for answers as to why his wife was acting this way. That was when he found emails from Tilly instructing her specifically to throw the flowers at him and tell him that they were a sign of his evil network and to kick him out. The only information that I can find online regarding who Teary Tilly is is found on VanityFair.com. The article states that he was born in 1964 near Paris. He studied law but never completed his degree. He married a woman named Jessica Diener, and by 1999, he was the highest-paid employee at the school he worked at with Gislin and was her most trusted advisor. The head teacher at that school, Martin Gordin, states that large sums of money started to disappear from the school's account and that bills weren't being paid. He also noticed that Gislin had lost a significant amount of weight constantly wore sunglasses inside, and would warn the staff to watch out for Freemasons. Things then got even stranger. 
Tilly moved into a room on the ground floor of the school and began requesting 24-hour security. On one occasion, he put the school in lockdown because the president of a secret organization would be visiting and no one was allowed to see him. By March of 2001, the school had stopped paying most of their staff, but most of them decided to stay until the end of the term. That's when Gislin decided to shut the school down completely and took up residence on the top floor. By this time, there was no heat, no lights, and no running water because the bills were extremely past due. Gislin's brother Philippe and his partner moved in with her in the fall. When Philippe first moved into the school, his wife initiated divorce proceedings because she was extremely concerned about his erotic behavior and his involvement with Tilly. Her lawyer asked a French court to monitor his finances. The court noticed a pattern of transfers that were made to a holding company. One of the officers on the board of this company was Thierry Tilly. All of a sudden, the family's finances began to unravel. The family started severing connections to the world at large. In late 2001, the De Vedrins family retreated to their ancestral home at Chateau Mortel in southwestern France. This included the matriarch of the family, Julamet, Felipe, Charles Henry, Christine, Gislin, Bridget, Julamet, Omri, Diane, Julamet, and Francius. Tilly banished clocks and calendars from the home, stating that normal rules of the world no longer applied to the family. Charles Henry was a brilliant doctor, and without telling his patients or partner, he walked away from his medical practice completely. He then sold his home and beach apartment and gave all the money to Tilly. Christine turned her back on social circle, including an old friend and winery owner, Marie Hezel. Marie recalls in an article in Le Monde that she tried reaching her for more than a year, and the one time that she did, Christine told her that she couldn't say anything because it was a family matter. Tilly then somehow talked the family into not paying taxes. This brought severe consequences that the family could not escape. The French equivalent of the IRS seized all the furnishings from the chateau and auctioned them off. Once the house was empty, the family moved into a house that Felipe owned. For several years, not much was known about the family's situation until 2005. At some point between 2001 and 2005, the family moved to Oxford and began living in several rental properties. The way to get around paying rent was the family would entangle the owners in a web of litigations. They told each landlord that they were aristocrats, but that soon began to unravel when they took jobs working at ice cream parlors, waiting tables, sweeping floors, digging dirt at garden companies, and working in shop kitchens. While they appeared as common folks, they were still under Tilly's spell. Tilly would only allow Gulame to hold a professional job. 
he worked at an archaeological survey company. At some point, the relationship between Tilly and the landlord went south. Tilly agreed to renovate one of the houses in return for a long-term lease. Instead, the family trashed the place and they reported the landlord to the Department of Public Health, claiming that he forced them to live in a pigsty. This is where things got even worse. Tilly began to persuade the rest of the family that Christine's maiden name, Cornette de Lemonnière, meant transmission of metal, which was a sign that she held the key to great treasure. This pushed each member of the family apart, and many of them stopped speaking to each other. Tilly held Christine hostage in her Oxford home twice between November 2006 to spring of 2007, and then again in January of 2008, all while she was being tortured. In the spring of 2009, Christine was working at a cheese shop in Oxford. Her employer grew increasingly curious about her. Over time, getting to know her, he learned that she had once been rich but fell on hard times. One day, while working together in the kitchen, he flat out asked her how she lost her money. She started out very vague, but after he pushed her a little, she broke down and told him everything. Everything about the torture, the family possessions that had been stolen, and how Tilly had stolen everything from them. He eventually talked her into escaping Oxford. Remember that old friend that Christine pushed away, Marie? Well, Christine called her and asked her to bring her back to France. When she arrived, Christine met with a lawyer, and that's where things fell apart for Tilly. The French government pressed charges against him, but things went cold for several months. It wasn't until October 21st of 2009 that Tilly found himself under arrest after taking a trip to Zurich. After his arrest, a lawyer who specializes in cults was able to persuade the family to return back to France. Christine is quoted in an article on TheGuardian.com stating this, People ask how he could have manipulated all of us, but it didn't help being so many. It meant every time someone expressed a doubt about him, someone else would justify what he was doing. We were all manipulated. Tilly was sentenced to eight years in prison. In an article on businessinsider.com, Christine is quoted saying, Eight years is a small price to pay for what he did to our family and children. The trial is behind us and we will do everything to rebuild. The family has tried to rebuild some sort of normal life. Charles returned to work as a doctor. Diane studied chemistry. Gulame has his own insurance business and Omari finished a business degree. Christine went on to write a book titled We Weren't Armed, and it details their entire story. She states in an article on TheGuardian.com that she hopes the book will be translated into English and that it is an attempt to tell the truth of the family's bizarre ordeal and a warning to others of the extraordinary things that can happen to an ordinary family. She says, For 10 years, we lived with Thierry Tilly's lies 
and I wanted to leave a record of the truth. Even though the family was able to get back some sort of a normal life, they were never able to buy back the chateau that had been sold. It has been sold several more times and is now in the possession of a couple with small children. And that is the story of Teary Tilly, the aristocrat conman. Thanks for sticking around to the end. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. <laughs>